Part two, chapter seven of the Secret City. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Secret City by Hugh Walpole. Part two, chapter seven. I do not know exactly what occurred during that afternoon. Neither Lawrence nor Nina spoke about it to me. I only know that Nina returned subdued and restrained. I can imagine them going out into that quiet town and walking along the deserted quay. The quiet that afternoon was, I remember, marvelous. The whole world was holding its breath. Great events were occurring, but we were removed from them all. The ice quivered under the sun, and the snow-clouds rose higher and higher into the blue and once and again a bell chimed and jangled. There was an amazing peace. Through this peaceful world Nina and Lawrence walked. His mind must, I know, have been very far away from Nina. Probably he saw nothing of her little attempts at friendship, her gasping sentences that seemed to her so daring and significant he scarcely heard. His only concern was to endure the walk as politely as possible and return to Vera. Perhaps if she had not had that conversation with her uncle, she would have realized more clearly how slight a response was made to her. But she thought only that this was his English shyness and gaucherie. She must go slowly and carefully. He was not like a Russian. She must not frighten him. Ah, how she loved him as she walked beside him, seeing and not seeing the lovely frozen colors of the winter day, the quickly flooding saffron sky the first bright star the great pearl-gray cloud of the neva as it was swept into the dark in the dark she put i am sure her hand on his arm and felt his strength and took her small hurried steps beside his long ones he did not i expect feel her hand on his sleeve at all it was Vera whom he saw through the dusk, Vera watching the door for his return, knowing that his eyes would rush to hers, that every beat of his heart was for her. I found them all seated at dinner when I entered. I brought them the news of the shooting up at the Nicholas station. Perhaps we had better not go to the theatre, I said. A number of people were killed this afternoon, and all the trams are stopped. Still, it was all remote from us. They laughed at the idea of not going to the theatre. The tickets had been bought two weeks ago, and the walk would be pleasant. Of course we would go. It would be fun, too, to see whether anything were happening. With how strange a clarity I remember the events of that evening. It is detached and hangs by itself among the other events of that amazing time, as though it had been framed and separated for some especial purpose. My impression of the color of it now is of a scene intensely quiet. I saw at once on my arrival that Vera was not yet prepared to receive me back into her friendship, and I saw, too, that she included Lawrence in this ostracism. She sat there stiff and cold, smiling and talking simply because she was compelled, for politeness' sake, to do so. She would scarcely speak to me at all, and when I saw this I turned and devoted myself to Uncle Ivan, who was always delighted to make me a testing ground for his English. But poor Jerry! 
had i not been so anxious lest a scene should burst upon us all i could have laughed at the humour of it vera's attitude was a complete surprise to him he had not seen her during the preceding week and that absence from her had heightened his desire until it burnt his very throat with its flame one glance from her when he came in would have contented him he could have rested then happily quietly but instead of that glance she had avoided his eye her hand was cold and touched his only for an instant she had not spoken to him again after the first greeting i am sure that he had never known a time when his feelings threatened to be too much for him his hold on himself and his emotions had been complete these fellows he once said to me about some russians are always letting their feelings overwhelm them like women and they like it funny thing well funny or no he realized it now his true education like nina's like vera's like bohen's like markovitch's perhaps like my own was only now beginning funny and pathetic too to watch his broad red genial face struggling to express a polite interest in the conversation to show nothing but friendliness and courtesy his eyes were as restless as minnows they darted for an instant towards vera then darted off again then flashed back his hand moved for a plate and i saw that it was shaking poor jerry he had learnt what suffering was during those last weeks but the most silent of us all that evening was markovitch he sat huddled over his food and never said a word if he looked up at all he glowered and so soon as he had finished eating he returned to his workshop closing the door behind him i caught semyonov looking at him with a pleasant speculative smile at last vera nina lawrence and i started for the theatre i can't say that i was expecting a very pleasant evening but the death-like stillness both of ourselves and the town did i confess startle me scarcely a word was exchanged by us between the english prospect and st isaac's square the square looked lovely in the bright moonlight and i said something about it it was indeed very fine the cathedral like a hovering purple cloud the old sentry in his high peaked hat the black statue and the blue shadows over the snow it was then that lawrence with an air of determined strength detached vera from us and walked ahead with her i saw that he was talking eagerly to her nina said with a little shudder isn't it quiet dirtles as though there were ghosts round every corner hope you enjoyed your walk this afternoon i said no it was quiet then but not like it is now let's walk faster and catch the others up do you believe in ghosts dirtles yes i think i do so do i was it true do you think about the people being shot at the nicholas station to-day i dare say perhaps all the dead people are crowding round here now why isn't anyone out walking i suppose they're all frightened by what they've heard and think it better to stay at home we were walking down the morskaya and our feet gave out a ringing echo let's keep up with them nina said when we had joined the others i found that they were both silent lawrence very red vera pale we were all feeling rather weary a woman met us you aren't allowed to cross the nevsky she said the cossacks are stopping everybody 
I can see her now, a stout red-faced woman, a shawl over her head, and carrying a basket. Another woman, a prostitute, I should think, came up and joined us. What is it? she asked us. The stout woman repeated in a trembling, agitated voice, You aren't allowed to cross the Nevsky. The Cossacks are stopping everybody. The prostitute shook her head in her alarm, and little flakes of powder detached themselves from her nose. Boshi moy, boshi moy, she said, and I promised not to be late. Vera then, very calmly and quietly, took command of the situation. We'll go and see, she said, what is really the truth. We turned up the side street to the Moika Canal, which lay like powdered crystal under the moon. Not a soul was in sight. There arrived, then, one of the most wonderful moments of my life. The Nevsky prospect, that broad and mighty thoroughfare, stretched before us like a great silver river. It was utterly triumphantly bare and naked. Under the moon it flowed, with proud tranquillity, so far as the eye could see, between its high black banks of silent houses. At intervals of about a hundred yards, the Cossack pickets, like ebony statues on their horses, guarded the way. Down the whole silver expanse not one figure was to be seen. So beautiful was it under the high moon, so still, so quiet, so proud, that it was revealing now, for the first time, its real splendor. At no time of the night or day is the Nevsky deserted. How happy it must have been that night! For us it was as though we hesitated on the banks of a river. I felt a strange superstition, as though something said to me, You cross that, and you are plunged irrevocably into a new order of events. Go home, and you will avoid danger. Nina must have had something of the same feeling, because she said, Let's go home. They won't let us cross. I don't want to cross. Let's go home. But Vera said firmly, "'Nonsense! We've gone so far. We've got the tickets. I'm going on.' I felt the note in her voice superstitiously, as a kind of desperate challenge, as though she had said, "'Well, you see nothing worse can happen to me than has happened.' Lawrence said roughly, "'Of course, we're going on.' The prostitute began in a trembling voice, as though we must all of necessity understand her case." I don't want to be late this time, because I've been late so often before. It always is that way with me, always unfortunate. We started across, and when we stepped into the shining silver surface, we all stopped for an instant, as though held by an invisible force. That's it, said Vera, speaking it seemed to herself. So it always is with us. All revolutions in Russia end this way. An unmounted Cossack came forward to us. "'No hanging about there,' he said. "'Cross quickly. No one is to delay.' We moved to the other side of the Moika Bridge. I thought of the Cossacks yesterday, who had assured the people that they would not fire. Well, that impulse had passed. Protopopov and his men had triumphed. We were all now in the shallows on the other bank of the canal. The prostitute, who was still at our side, hesitated for a moment, as though she were going to speak. I think she wanted to ask whether she might walk with us a little way. Suddenly she vanished without sound into the black shadows. "'Come along,' said Vera. "'We shall be dreadfully late.' She seemed to be mastered by an overpowering desire not to be left alone with Lawrence. 
she hurried forward with nina and lawrence and i came more slowly behind we were now in a labyrinth of little streets and black overhanging flats not a soul anywhere only the moonlight in great broad flashes of light once or twice a woman hurried by keeping in the shadow sometimes at the far end of the street we saw the shining naked nevsky lawrence was silent then just as we were turning into the square where the mikhailovsky theatre was he began what's the matter what's the matter with her durward what have i done i don't know that you've done anything i answered but don't you see he went on she won't speak to me she won't look at me i won't stand this long i tell you i won't stand it long i'll make her come off with me in spite of them all i'll have her to myself i'll make her happy durward as she's never been in all her life but i must have her i can't live close to her like this and yet never be with her never alone never alone why is she behaving like this to me he spoke really like a man in agony the words coming from him in little tortured sentences as though they were squeezed from him desperately with pain at every breath that he drew she is afraid of herself i expect not of you i put my hand on his sleeve lawrence i said go home go back to england this is becoming too much for both of you nothing can come of it but unhappiness for everybody no he said it's too late for any of your platonic advice durward i'm going to have her even though the earth turns upside down we went up the steps and into the theatre there was of course scarcely any one there the mikhailovsky is not a large theatre but the stalls looked extraordinarily desolate every seat watching one with a kind of insolent wink as though like the nevsky ten minutes before it said well now you humans are getting frightened you're all stopping away we're coming back to our own there was some such malicious air about the whole theatre above in the circle the little empty boxes were dim and shadowy and one fancied figures moved there and then saw that there was no one some one up in the gallery laughed and the laugh went echoing up and down the empty spaces a few people came in and sat nervously about and no one spoke except in a low whisper because voices sounded so loud and impertinent then again the man in the gallery laughed and everyone looked up frowning the play began it was i think les idées de francois but of that i cannot be sure it was a farce of the regular french type with a bedroom off and marionettes who continually separated into couples and giggled together the giggling to-night was of a sadly hollow sort. I pitied and admired the actors, spontaneous as a rule, but now bravely stuffing any kind of sawdust into the figures in their hands. But the leakage was terrible, and the sawdust lay scattered all about the stage. The four of us sat as solemn as statues. I don't think one of us smiled. It was during the second act that I suddenly laughed, I don't know that anything very comic was happening on the stage, but I was aware, with a kind of ironic subconsciousness, that some of the superior spirits in their superior heaven must be deriving a great deal of fun from our situation. There was Vera thinking, I suppose, of nothing but Lawrence, and Lawrence thinking of nothing but Vera, and Nina thinking of nothing but Lawrence, 
and the audience thinking of their safety, and the players thinking of their salaries, and Protopopov at home thinking of his victory, and the Tsar in Sarsko thinking of his God-sent autocracy, and Europe thinking of its ideals, and Germany thinking of its militarism, all self-justified, all mistaken, and all fulfilling some deeper plan at whose purpose they could not begin to guess. And how intermingled we all were! Vera and Nina, Monsieur Robert, and Mademoiselle Flory on the other side of the footlights, Trenchard and Marie killed in Galicia, the Kaiser and Hindenburg, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and the postmaster of my village in Glebshire. The curtain is coming down. The fat husband is deceived once again. The lovers are in the bedroom listening behind the door. The comic waiter is winking at the chambermaid. The lights are up, and we are alone again in the deserted theater. Towards the end of the last interval I went out into the passage behind the stalls to escape from the chastened whispering that went trembling up and down like the hissing of terrified snakes i leaned against the wall in the deserted passage and watched the melancholy figure of the cloak-room attendant huddled up on a chair his head between his hands suddenly i saw vera she came up to me as though she were going to walk past me and then she stopped and spoke she talked fast not looking at me but beyond down the passage I'm sorry, Ivan Andreevich, she said. I was cross the other day. I hurt you. I oughtn't to have done that. You know, I said, that I never thought of it for a minute. No, I was wrong, but I've been terribly worried during these last weeks. I've thought it all out today, and I've decided. There was a catch in her breath, and she paused. She went on. Decided that there mustn't be any more weakness. I'm much weaker than I thought. I would be ashamed if I didn't think that shame was a silly thing to have but now I am quite clear. I must make Nicholas and Nina happy. Whatever else comes, I must do that. It has been terrible these last weeks. We've all been angry and miserable, and now I must put it right. I can if I try. I've been forgetting that I chose my own life myself, and now I mustn't be cowardly because it's difficult. I will make it right myself. She paused again, then she said, looking me straight in the face, Ivan Andreevich, does Nina care for Mr. Lawrence? She was looking at me with large black eyes so simply, with such trust in me, that I could only tell her the truth. Yes, I said, she does. Her eyes fell, then she looked up at me again. I thought so, she said. And does he care for her? No, I said, he does not. He must, she said. It would be a very happy thing for them to marry. She spoke very low, so that I could scarcely hear her words. "'Wait, Vera,' I said. "'Let it alone. Nina's very young. The mood will pass. Lawrence, perhaps, will go back to England.' She drew in her breath, and I saw her hand tremble, but she still looked at me. Only now her eyes were not so clear. Then she laughed. "'I'm getting an old woman, Ivan Andreevich. It's ridiculous.' She broke off, then held out her hand. "'but we'll always be friends now, won't we? "'I'll never be cross with you again.' "'I took her hand. "'I'm getting old, too,' I said. "'And I'm useless at everything. "'I only make a bungle of everything I try. "'But I'll be your true friend to the end of time.' "'The bell rang, and we went back into the theatre.'
End of Part 2, Chapter 7